0: Hey, if you will just do me a big favor, there is a handout in your bulletin about This is for Everyone, the North American Christian Convention in Kansas City this year. Um, I just want to do a little plug for this. Jolen and I, for years, for years, as, uh, well, almost as long as I can remember, we have been going to the North American Christian Convention. We're going again this year. It's super close. We love to make it a habit to bring people with us. So... Uh, we are already registered. We're going. Um, if you would like to go, please uh, look at this information. Visit the website. Uh, if you want more information about what is this thing, what happens at this thing, um, please come and see me. I would love to talk to you about it. It's a real. It's a great event. Exciting. Uh, if you enjoy great preaching and workshops and getting together with people, then this is your kind of your kind of event. Uh, Look at that, uh, talk it over with your spouse, and then uh, ask me some questions, and I'll tell you why you need to go. You know, I am reminded of Adam and Eve a lot. I don't know if you have this Genesis uh, 1, Genesis 3 kind of thing happening in your uh, mind regularly, but but I am reminded... uh, fairly regularly about Adam and Eve. And really, honestly, I'm, I'm not always reminded about Adam and Eve in a good way. I'm not reminded necessarily about the, the wonderful garden that they got to, to waltz around in with God. I, I'm not necessarily reminded how Adam got to, to choose the names for all the animals. I, all of that was wonderful. I'm reminded that when God planted a tree in the middle of the garden and He said, hey, don't eat from that, Adam and Eve decided that they would buy the lie that Satan was telling them that God was holding something back from them. That they needed to be a little more like God. And and so they take the fruit and they eat it. And and maybe you know the rest of the story. You know that, that now sin affects everything. That this open act of rebellion now paints uh, with a broad brush everything that comes after it. I'm reminded of Adam and Eve regularly, and maybe you are too. This last week, I went to give my son a bath, and I knelt down next to the bathtub, and, and I got up, and I thought, that, that knee wasn't sore before. I love running and I enjoy going out for long runs. And when I say long runs, I mean like 20 miles. I enjoy that sort of thing. It's time by myself. And yet more and more often I come back and go, ow, that hurts more now than it used to. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've had a shoulder that you've had to have worked on, and or maybe you've had that surgery on your knee or your hip, or or maybe on your head or your side. I don't know, but I'm guessing that there's something in your life in which in some way you had probably been reminded uh, of Adam and Eve. And it wasn't always pleasant. You see, that is the story, right? Sin came into the world. It's this problem now that we have to deal with. It's this open rebellion now that affects everything. In fact, uh, when we read that uh, God knew that Adam and Eve had sinned, uh, we recognize early on in the Bible, the, the very first mention of death in the Bible. You see, they, they had sinned before God. They, they recognized that they were naked. They felt shame. And it says they killed an animal so that they could make coverings for themselves. Death comes into the world right there in, in, as a result of sin, of rebelling against God, of trying to To buy the lie that God wasn't giving us enough. Maybe you recognize that God at that moment says to Adam, hey, now the ground that you work is going to be cursed. Like the very earth that we live in is now cursed because of sin. He's going to go on and he's going to tell Eve, you will have pain in childbearing. So when our son was being born, Jolene was having some contractions, and she was having what they call back labor, and it was very painful. And I just took the opportunity to try and give a theological lesson right there. Well, honey, sin entered the world. I didn't really, I, I didn't really, I didn't really do that. But sin affects everything. That's really what I'm trying to get across. Sin affects every bit of our life, every bit of the world that we live in. It affects every little thing. This one rebellion uh, now means that all of us in one fashion or another have either directly or indirectly been affected by the results of sin. That's really cheery on Mother's Day, isn't it? And so the question becomes, how in the world do we gain an unquenchable hope in the face of that kind of rebellion and even a curse from God? A curse from God that seemingly mankind by himself is not going to be able to reverse. Well, Paul, when he was talking to a church in Corinth, begins to answer that question. I mean, right after he, he gives this argument for the resurrection, right after he says, hey, now you have to believe in the resurrection because if there is no resurrection, there is no good news. And oh, by the way, the good news is that only by the resurrection of Jesus can there be good news and a reversal of the curse that started with sin. And so then He answers our question about this problem that we have with sin. He begins to answer it by saying, Hey, look, Jesus is a deposit guaranteeing what's going to come. And it comes because of the resurrection. So what we're going to see is that Jesus is this wonderful deposit That when Jesus resurrected, He was this wonderful deposit guaranteeing for us some of the things that were going to come. That He guarantees it for us. That He guarantees it for the world. And that it even affects our life today. Join me in 1 Corinthians 15 if you would. It's page 801 in your pew Bibles. Join me there, 801 in your pew Bibles, 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus is our deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Read with me in verse 20. Uh, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, uh, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. Then the end will come when He hands over the kingdom to God the Father after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For He must reign until He has put all of His enemies under His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For He has put everything under His feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under His feet, it is clear that this doesn't include God Himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Jesus is a deposit. Jesus is a deposit. That's what he's saying in verse 21. Since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. In verse 20 he said that Christ being raised from the dead, that he's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What he's saying there is that Jesus is unique in his resurrection. Uh, Throughout the Bible, there are uh, a couple of unique occasions where people were resuscitated from death. Now, that's pretty cool. I've never gotten to be around when Jesus decided or God decided in some fashion or another uh, to to resuscitate someone from the dead, to take someone who is, let's say, lying in a casket and give them life again and, and watch them come back to life. I never got to see that. Would love to. But what's unique about what Paul is talking about with the resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus rose from the dead, but He never dies again. All those other people, all those other people who were resuscitated from death, they eventually died again. But not Jesus. He becomes the first fruits, which means He is the first one in a whole long line of people who will have the opportunity to be resurrected from the, from the grave. Now that's pretty good news. Uh, that means that any one of us who put our faith in Jesus, when we say, I will place my life in His hand, I believe in Him, I trust in Him, uh, what we're saying to God is, I believe in you more than I believe in myself even. And I will trust that you did raise from the grave and that my resurrection is going to look like yours. Which means that if we believe in Him, our resurrection then means that we get to raise from the dead and never die again. Never die again. And what he's saying in 1 Corinthians is, hey, that stuff that, Adam, uh, that happened with Adam, it brought destruction. It brought death. But what's happening with Christ right now, uh, that's going to bring life. Uh, that's going to bring unquenchable hope. Why? Because it is forever. And that's good news. Have you ever put anything on layaway before? Every now and again, uh, as a kid, my mom, when it would come time, especially for around Christmas time or something, she would put things on layaway. Uh, What it means is you would take the product and you would go back to the counter uh, and you would give them a deposit uh, and you would come back and make payments on that deposit uh, and it was guaranteed that you could have that product later. Well, Jesus' resurrection is a deposit guaranteeing that we get to raise with him later. His resurrection is a layaway. Does anybody remember that, um, that radio program with Paul Harvey? Anybody remember that? The rest of the story. I wish I had a voice like Paul Harvey. What he would do is he would give you a little snippet of the story. Just enough to whet your appetite to make sure that you come back for the evening side of the program, right? He would give you just enough of the story to go, okay, how does this end, Paul Harvey? And then at the end of the story, it would all be laid out right there in front of you, and he would say what? Yeah! Yeah! Now that's the rest of the story, right? And Jesus is giving us a little bit of the deposit. He's saying, okay, now now listen up. I'm going to give you the resurrection. I'm going to be the first fruits of everything that's to come. I'm going to be a deposit. And eventually, you're going to get to hear, you're going to get to experience the rest of the story. You see, when we come to believe in who Jesus is, it's not like it doesn't affect us, but it is this tension between what already is and what is yet to come. It's this tension between now and later. Stephen Ambrose is a a novelist. He likes to to do westerns and sometimes uh, uh, military-themed novels. In one particular novel, he looks uh, uh, at uh, Normandy. He looks at uh, this defining moment in World War II. He looks at Normandy from two very different perspectives. He looks at one of the perspectives from someone who was on the ground on the beach. And another one from an airplane. From someone who is looking down below. From the guys on the beach... He he records them saying things like, "We're losing, we're losing, we're losing," but from up above, the pilot, seeing that the onslaught of troops was driving the Germans back, he could say, "We're winning, we're winning, we're winning." The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the first fruits that maybe we'll get to experience later more fully. But if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, it's Christ living in our lives saying, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. Even if it feels like you're losing, you're losing, you're losing. Because the resurrection is a deposit that guarantees what is to come. Now, not only is it a guarantee of what's to come because he's the first fruits of the resurrection, uh, but it's also a guarantee that he is going to reverse the curse entirely. It's a deposit guaranteeing that evil gets eradicated. Notice what he says, verse 23. But each in his own turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, and then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom, to God and the, the Father after He has destroyed all dominion, all authority and power. For He must reign until He has put all of His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For He has put everything under His feet. And he goes on and he begins to explain that God has given everything to Christ that He would subject it to Himself. And here's what this means. It means that Jesus is going to reverse the curse that began in Genesis. You know all those things that I said that remind me about Adam and Eve? Jesus in the resurrection is a deposit guaranteeing that the curse is going to be reversed. Everything that eventually leads to death is going to be undone. He's going to take the resurrection uh, and because of the resurrection, we can trust that everything is going to be undone. That evil itself is going to go away. John is going to say that the light is going to shine into the darkness. You want evil to be undone? How about that sore knee? Do you want that to go away? How about the shoulder? How about the pain and childbearing? How about crazy things like crazy weather patterns, earthquakes, tornadoes? You want those to go away? Everything, all of it goes away. And again, we have this tension between, okay, Jesus, You've already begun the process of evil being undone. Well, why do we have to live in between the times of you've resurrected and I know this promise is coming and, and not having it fully? Let me suggest to you that every time someone, someone's life is changed because they believe in Jesus, we see another little piece of the kingdom coming because of the resurrection of Jesus. Their life is entirely different. Have you ever known someone? Uh, Maybe maybe they were a really great person and they paid all of their taxes and they did all of the right things and they were even fairly good neighbors, but they didn't know Jesus. And then they began to know Jesus and then they uh, transformed themselves. They became a part of the church and they began to serve and their life was more filled with purpose than it ever was before. That's the resurrection. The curse is being reversed even in that moment. I love talking about some of the things that we see in the gospel as Jesus' love begins to transform people. Uh, down in Omaha right now, there's, uh, there's a whole movement of churches uh, that are saying, hey, love can. And when we begin uh, to love people, then, then the truth of the resurrection, that evil is being eradicated and undone, begins to happen. All because we're willing right now to say, Hey, I think the resurrection of Jesus is a deposit of what's coming. I think it's a deposit of what Jesus is going to do, guaranteed in eradicating all of evil forever. He's going to put it underneath his feet and he's going to sit on it. And it's going to be done. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, Well, that's really nice, Mike. Um, I'm so glad that heaven is coming, but what about right now? What about as I sit in the pew right now? What, is I, what about when I, I, I go to work tomorrow? What good is the resurrection for me then? What good is the deposit for me uh, tomorrow morning when I have to get up at 7 a.m.? 7 a.m.? Uh, some of you are like, oh, that's really late. Some of you are like, whoa, that's really early. but Jesus is a deposit guaranteeing our future so that we'll live differently today. You see, we live in light of what's to come. Every graduate in this room that's (coughs) thinking about graduating or wants to graduate in a week or two has already made their lives... Yeah, there's some partying going on over here. Right? They have already begun to live their lives in light of graduation. Some of us are are living our lives in light of retirement. Some of us are living our lives in light of spending time with grandkids. There's something out there, and it doesn't just, we don't just sit around and wait for it to happen. No, we work. Diligently. Because we recognize that there's something else coming. When Paul shares this message about Jesus being a deposit, guaranteeing both uh, what's to come, our our future with Him, uh, but also the fact that the evil is going to be eradicated forever and ever and ever because of the resurrection. He doesn't want us to just sit on it. He's saying if you believe in the resurrection, then your life needs to be a demonstration of what it looks like to live in light of it. So let's say someone going home cuts you off in traffic. Or cuts you off in the parking lot. How do you respond? You have an opportunity in the moment to say, hey, I know what's coming. I know what's been guaranteed to me. I can be patient right now. Maybe you'll go home and, and there's a tension between uh, you and your spouse. And maybe it involves the kids. And, and in those moments, you can begin to go, I know that I can love in this moment because of what Christ has guaranteed for me in the future. And you can be a part of the curse being undone. You have an opportunity to live your life in light of the end, because Christ is a deposit guaranteeing all that will come after, and you can live right now, every day, with unquenchable hope. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your word. We get to open it up. I thank you for your deposit of guarantee of what's to come. Lord, may we live out this resurrection. And may we believe in who you are and all that you've done to reverse the curse. Lord, may we leave with unquenchable hope. We love you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.